Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to this episode of Red Side of the Trend, here to bring you the fan preview of the Brentford game coming up on the Super, super Sunday, as, a, as, a, as they call it these days, although it's not always that super, to be honest. But I am joined by Twitter fan favourite, Forest fan, Matt Barnsley, also known as City Ground Shelf. Are you all right, Matt? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you, mate. Are you? Yeah, all good, all good. Um, I've never asked you, why do you go by that name on Twitter? Um, because I'm sat on, because I'm stood on the shelf in A block. So basically, you'd come up the, um, you'd walk up the stairway in A block, and basically there's like a ledge, and I'm and our row, row L, is on, is on the shelf because it's on the ledge. I know that sounds really weird, but I'll, I'll have to, um, I'll like I said, I'll take a picture and I'll give a um, analytical reasoning behind my user. <laughs> no, no, it's good. You're you're a very liked person on Twitter. I think one one of the ones that doesn't really stir too much shit around if I, if I can call it that but yeah um what's your thoughts been on the start of the season so far yeah good really positive um I said on a tweet on Sunday I think I said that all of the games that I've uh I've either watched on the telly or I've been to I've always walked away thinking we'll be absolutely fine this season even in the defeats I mean there were stages last season where I think particularly in the early part where you were kind of coming away from games thinking they were well beaten they were never in the game and um you thought, where is the next points or wins going to come from? But this season, it's just whether that be Saturday at the Etihad or at Old Trafford, and both, particularly the game at Old Trafford, was very disappointed. I walked along thinking there's so much talent and ability on that pitch, and there's going to be more than enough over what a 38 game Premier League season to, to get the points we need to comfortably stay in the league. So I've got I've got no doubt of that, particularly given how poor I think the bottom the current bottom three are. So I'm I'm very optimistic and, and positive about the way it's gone. What do you think's changed since pre-season? Because everyone like lost their head, didn't they? Like, especially when we lost five 0 to Rennes, everyone's like, "Oh, we're gonna go to Arsenal and get beat yeah. <laughs> again, yeah. don't we?" What What do you think's kind of changed in that in in the mentality there? Well, I I think it's I know it's a very cliche thing to say, but I think it's been quite a um, lesson to learn with um, not kind of taking much from pre-season that it is only a run out and that probably tactics and kind of. Um, personnel within the team and who's playing where isn't really to be that kind of looked into. Um, I, I, I was always pretty confident, albeit pre-season wasn't very, wasn't very, um, 
didn't give us much room for optimism. But I was always kind of, I always felt that we would, because of the start that we had, that it was going to be difficult regardless. But I thought on that opening day at Arsenal, they were great. And I thought it looked like, if anything, it looked like they had quite a good pre-season, particularly considering I thought second half where they kept a good Arsenal team at bay. But I always knew we would get players through the door at some point and obviously we did towards the back end of the window but I was always confident like I said we would get the the players we need to to build a team that we've got now to be to be strong and competitive again um so yeah it's so I, th- I think it's really a case of just patience is key and, and trust the club with trust the club trust Cooper and tr- trust the Maranakis family to obviously to finance it and Cooper and the recruitment guys to, to get it right I guess yeah, I mean, it would have been funny if we had a really good preseason because I never would have been thinking, yeah, Europe's on the cards and then yeah. been bitterly disappointed. So it kind of works both ways, doesn't it? Um, yeah. I, I, do you think we, I think we look real, like we look a lot fitter than last season because obviously the, I thought when we played Newcastle, then West Ham last season, we just looked like we were chasing shadows a lot of the time. Even that West Ham game where we won and we was like quite competitive, it was still like, they look like a huge golf in class and, and fitness. But this season, I think we actually look really fit. Like, like we're staying in games a lot more so this season. I know they're, they've been pretty tight, which is kind of a reflection of, of what the work we've done in pre-season as well and, and towards the back end of last season. So so that's good. But um, who's impressed you so far this season? Um, the uh, the left back. I don't want to get his name wrong. I feel like I'll I'll let Aina. Aina, yeah, he's been. I, I, uh, the Etihad. I actually said to my dad um, uh, about an hour ago. I said that there's not many fullbacks which will run past Kyle Walker this season. And on, yeah, I was about to on, say on Saturday in the second half, he did it two or three times. So I think he's been. I think he's been. Out of all all the signings we've made, all the money we've spent, I think he's been our best signing, and he cost absolutely nothing. And I think that's kind of like quite testament to the recruitment team, really, that they've been able to kind of, obviously we've spent money, but kind of they've dipped into the free transfer market as well. And and they've been able to find an absolute gem with that. Um, so I think he's been incredible. I think hudson Adoy, if they can unlock his potential, um, I think there's a real, real footballer there. Um, the... Uh, uh, the lad uh, Dominiguez was, I thought, was brilliant on Saturday. Still early days, but he looked like he's kind of got like a real creative influence. Somebody said it on Twitter, and I thought it was quite right with Dominiguez. And I'm interested to know your thoughts, Wilco. Was that um, he's thriller, but he's got athleticism, so he can kind of he maybe he's got the same kind of pass range as Thruller, maybe probably even better. But he's kind of he's got that athleticism and can keep up the pace of, of Premier League football. Um, so he's he's really impressed me as well, and I look forward to to seeing what else he can do. Um, and um, God, there's been that many signings again. So I think, and of course, I think I think I think Turn has been brilliant in goal as well. Apart from maybe one or two indecisive moments, but I, I think complete goalkeepers are a bit of a myth. But I think on the whole, he's been been very very good. Yeah, your uh, I thought I think Olayn has been really good. We've we've sang his phrases a lot on this podcast. I mean, I'm really excited to see him actually at right back rather than playing at left back. But yeah. I mean, it's good that he can do both roles and pretty comfortably at that. And he's quite a, I'd say he's quite an intricate kind of player as well on that side. I think he could build quite a good relationship with like Hudson Adore and then obviously gives White coming in over to that side every now and then when he'd want to try and find pockets of space. Uh, your point on Dominguez, I thought he was really good on Saturday, like control midfield. Look like for someone that's, debutising at Man City away and I know the second half it helped that they went down to 10 men and their best player probably the best player in the league went off 
it, it helped him get on the ball a lot more. But say like he's he doesn't probably doesn't know the language very much. He demanded the ball and looks very very comfortable with his passing and his and his like I don't know. He's kind of almost his leadership because he was captain at Bologna, so that kind of shone through a bit. So I am intrigued to see what him and like Sangare and maybe a Yates midfield will will do and and if they can dominate because he he looks quite a tidy player as well as someone who's quite aggressive as well, which is something that that we 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 do need in that midfield. So that's that's good. So yeah, um, Matt Turner, yeah, he's been good, hasn't he? I think. I, I mean, I'm very intrigued to see when when he will get potentially dropped because there's been those rumours, aren't there? Yeah, about the uh, about the the great goalkeeper that is. They look at him as being a long term number one. Yeah. Do you know what Wilco? It's weird because I I don't pretend to know everything about football and players and everything. All that like every player ever because I don't. But I, I the amount of like people I've said like non Forest fans who have said to me, "Oh, you signed that goalkeeper from Benfica. He's really good." So he ov- obviously comes with quite like a high ceiling. Um, and kind of quite like renowned as having a lot of potential to be really good. So I, I know there was a piece in The Athletic, wasn't there, about Forrest look at him as being a, the long-term number one. But I, I, at the moment in time, I, I, I don't see how you can drop Turner because of how, how good he's been, really. Um, so but I, I think this season it is nice to have two very, very strong and competitive goalkeepers. I thought last season... I I I've, I know this sounds harsh, and you might pull me up on it, but I I didn't really think a great deal of Wayne Hennessy um, at any given point. He wasn't horrific, but I thought I didn't think. If, I I think I think in this league more than ever, you need two very good goalkeepers, and I think we've got that now. And I thought last season that was uh, that was lacking a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's when not if the great goalkeeper comes into the team, and it will be interesting to see when when Cooper gives him the nod to to do that really. Are you calling him the Greek goalkeeper until you might be able to pronounce yeah. his name? Or <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I um I thought your con- controversial opinion there was going to be about Kalo Navas because I actually didn't think I thought he was a good shot stopper, but I didn't think he, anything other than that. To be honest, of him, I thought for a guy who's so highly rated been at PSG and Real Madrid, I think really weren't weren't, weren't anything special. I know he's old, but. I, I didn't think anything special. I'm quite glad we stayed away from it. But there is one thing that we do need to talk touching about goalkeeping is Dean Anderson went off injured yesterday for Crystal Palace. Now I don't yeah. wish an injury upon anyone, but you know, like the recruitment team at Forest yeah. must have seen that and gone, "Oh, we got that one right." Yeah, because yeah. you can kind of see now a lot. I think a lot of people then realise that actually the deal that we wanted to put in place for Dean Anderson of, of making it actually we want thirty games out of him before we make a obligation to pay twenty million Man United was was the right decision at the moment. Would you oh, not say? Absolutely. Well, I think I know. Like I. I I'll always don't. I I never pretend to be right about anything, Walker, because I'm not. But it's just like with um, I accuse the club in the in the midst of summer, in the summer months of lowballing. Um, but I think it appears with hindsight um, that the club probably, the club probably knew the um, severity of of Henderson's injury when whilst he was at Forest towards the back end of last season. And I don't know whether the medical guys said to the football club and said I wouldn't be paying a lot of money outright for this lad because the injury isn't isn't great and um and i think in once again with the benefit of hindsight so it was kind of well um reported that forest wanted a, a loan move with a with an obligation to buy after a certain amount of games to trigger that um and i i think that was wise because i i think um, i i know obviously once again hindsight but imagine if we had paid 30 million he would have played for us 
I don't know, three or four games into a season and we would have been taking him off and having to put a second goalkeeper in goal. It just with the transfer market now shut, I'd like to add as well. So I think I think that shows that I know absolutely nothing and that the uh, <laughs> Well, we've bought two keepers for for less than the price that he actually yeah. ended up going to Palace, and and one who's, like you say, you mentioned played plays for Benfica. He was in the quarterfinals of the Champions League last season of Lacadema. So you know that's you can't really buy a lot more experience than than that unless you're paying like top dollar. But let's move on to the style and formation and and like moving forward, obviously, because. There's been a lot of heavy debate of how we're going to go this season. Whether do you think this is like a good time to implement a different style this season as ever because of how potentially weak the bottom might be? Well, I thought thing is you don't want you don't want to you don't want to start going down the route of being arrogant and going away from what works for you, don't you? On the basis yeah. that the bottom three aren't great this season. For me, in both our promotion season. The high points of last season, albeit it was very few and far between, but the, the good results we did get um, and should be the blueprint for, for for this season as well. Because I, I always think that Cooper's teams are predominantly based around three pretty strong centre-halves and two wing-backs, which press high up the pitch and give us more of an option offensively. And then more, and then having three midfield players of a sitting CDM, Someone with athleticism, which I think Danilo does that job, and Dominguez is also going to do that. Um, and someone like Mangalu is a big physical presence in there as well. And then obviously having the three, um, and then obviously having the forward players with Tyro and Gibbs White as well. Um, so I, I, I don't think they should go away from what's worked well for a few years now. Um, I think it's very effective. I, I suppose it's it's all going to be dependent, isn't it, on. Um, so I, I, I said this after the Sheffield United and the Burnley games. I think. Cooper's tactical um, tactical prowess against the better teams is 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 near enough spot on because I think that's what our game plan is predominantly based around. I think now the kind of the um, the mission, if you like, is to transition over having more control and more of the ball against the the lesser teams, if you like. I'm talking your Sheffield United and your Burnleys. Um, because I suppose the point that I'm making is I think that we are we are based around our game plan is to stifle better teams, kind of have them a lot of the ball, sit in a low block and then cause issues when we turn the ball over and spring them on the counter-attack. But against Sheffield United and Burnley, particularly the players we've now got on the money we've just spent, I would like to see us have more control and more of the ball at the city ground and and putting, putting I don't say passing moves together, but that's not, not right, but just kind of... And it just feels like a lot in those games, we kind of spent a lot of the game not chasing the football. And I think we've got better players now to be able to have that that better level of control. I suppose it's trying to find those patterns and yeah. uh, th- those uh, connections on the pitches in it, like with with like when fullbacks make overlapping or underlapping runs and like midfield runners and, and that sort of thing, I guess. And like you say, I think it's dependent on opposition, isn't it, really? Because... Yeah. You're not going to get like we went to City to try and defend. I mean, it was yeah. unfortunate that we let two. I mean, I say sloppy, but Man City score those goals so often. Yeah, it makes it look sloppy, doesn't it? So, and then like obviously to then have what 45 minutes near enough, maybe 50 with the injury time against City and trying and actually almost pretty much pinning them back, but we couldn't break them down. To be honest, I think yeah. it's going to take a little while, isn't it, to like get that into us especially even against lesser sides who are going to naturally sit back aren't they yeah absolutely i'll pose a question for you wilco as well i think that 
I'm not under any illusions. Obviously, the Rodri red card changed the game in terms, of obviously, with us having more emphasis and more of the ball. Um, I'd like to think I'm not deluded. I, I think that if it would have been 11 v 11, we might have gone for three or four. But I don't think that's anything of, to the detriment of Forest. I think it's just how good City are. Um, so I think that the way we played in the second half on on Saturday was... I thought we played well. I thought um, we kind of... We kept the football well, we maintained it. We kind of had kind of like asserted levels of pressure. But I, I think my kind of one, and this is something which Cooper alluded to post-match, I think, that just kind of going to venues like that and just playing with a bit more belief. Because I think, I really think for 10, 15 minutes, particularly after um, Rodri got sent off and Tyro missed the one-on-one and, and Edison squared up to him, I think for 10 or 15 minutes, they were they were rattled. And I mm. think if we would have got one back, I think that might have made it a bit of an uncomfortable afternoon for them. So I just, I never, I never felt like, I couldn't doubt the effort, couldn't doubt the spirit. I thought maintaining of the football was great. It's having a bit more belief at those venues that we can kind of, we can go and cause some issues and we can, particularly 11 v 10, we can go and be, be a bit braver in and around their their 18-yard box, really. Yeah, I think... I do think if Rodri, I think even if Rodri wasn't the one getting sent off and it was someone else from City, then I think they would have still pretend, possibly controlled the game because he's yeah. just that good. So, yeah, no, I think you're right. It's all circumstantial that that situation came about. I do think we could have been a bit braver. I think sometimes I think our decision making or maybe the speed of play kind of let us down in, in terms of actually really hurting City. And it will come. I think it's just about. Like you say, we've been we've been playing low block football for about what well a good twelve months at least. And I mean, even in the championship, we did play like counter attacking more so than not. So it's kind of like trying to get out of that habit, I guess, and, and into a different one. But Billy Davis had a couple of systems. I mean, I'm sure I don't see why Cooper can't as well. So um, I'm sure that more more will come come for it. Um, before we're going to get into the Brentford game, Matt, I did catch up with the started Brentford's. Billy Grant. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I am delighted to be joined by Billy Grant of Besotted Brentford. Uh, Bill, how are you, mate? It's been a while since I've seen you. That's right. I tell you, it's been a while, actually. I was just looking back at the first time when we met you you guys, when it came down to, to Forest. We did the Derby versus Forest video that time, I don't know if you remember. We did yeah. it for uh, 72 reviewers. We were doing some stuff with Bolster at the time. Little kind of fan video mini documentaries. Um, sort of one of the earlier mini documentaries, things that were happening from from a fan perspective, and we were trying to do it from a, a more from a, an EFL, from a sort of kind of more, let's say, grassroots, but like, you know, you know, forget this Premier League nonsense we were saying. It's like, it's all about the <laughs> EFL. It's all about lower league football. And then now here we are together, both in the Premier League, you know, um, on, a, on a different level to where we were 
then back in the day. So it's it's been a bit of a journey, isn't it? Yeah, so it's your third season in the Premier League, our second season. Second season syndrome, as I like to call it, though Brentford didn't suffer that with uh, second season syndrome last season. But how has your start to the season been, Bill? Uh, I'll be honest with you, it's been all right. I know there's been a bit of moaning going on and the last couple of results haven't gone away. But I think that you've got to look at the bigger picture. Um, you've got to look at the budget that we have. You know, we still, you know, we're not competing against, you know, your men's cities and your, and your arsenals and that, you know, budget-wise. So to, to actually still be in the game... I think is a good thing for us. And also, obviously, we've got Ivan Tommy, he's missing, who's a big part of uh, of who what we're about, you know, about the way that we play. You know, he scored, you know, it's the third highest goal scorer last season behind Harry Kane and, and Haaland. You know what I'm saying? So he's a big player for us. To have, to, have, to have him missing, no matter what, what people may say, you know, I'm saying, oh, yeah, it's like he is very, very important to us. So to take him out, of, you know, out of our team, to take him out of any team would be a big miss um, but we dealt with it really well because we knew that was coming. Uh, Brian and Bumo has had a fantastic start to the season. He's a great player. And, and again, it's one of those things where sometimes if you've got somebody in the mix, sometimes they do overshadow. But if you take somebody out of the mix, somebody else has to step up. And I think Bumo has really stepped up this season. So he scored a fair few goals, a few assists, you know, and also it's bringing people like Wisa and other people into the game. Um, so the season has been, I'd say it's been good. We've got a few draws, got a draw against Tottenham at home. We've got a draw against Bournemouth at home. Um, a lot of the fans that went to the game <clears throat> said they felt that we should have won those games, which we probably should have done. But it's one of those games of football, you don't take your chances, you don't win. So they're a little bit disappointed that we should be getting more wins at home. But my arguments, I'm saying, listen, we've got a big player out and uh, and, we're, and we're still playing good football. So we should actually kind of like just not be too harsh on ourselves. But I'm saying that, the big blow did come because, like Ivan Tony, out honestly didn't didn't bother me at all. The big blow came last weekend when uh, Rico Henry got injured up at Newcastle. Now Rico Henry is a massive player for Brentford. Wing back, he's fast. He should be in Gareth's uh, England team. He should every time Gareth comes down has a look, and then you think, yeah, he's going to pick Rico, and he never does. It's it's uh, honestly I'm confused as to why he never did because he's absolutely brilliant. And he got injured. He's out for the season. Um, and it's a big, that's a massive blow for us because it, it changes our style of football. You know, <clears throat> he's got so much pace. You know, you basically keep, you know, um, your, 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 your opposition on the back foot. You know, we play high up the field. You know, we can break, you know, like massive speed. So him being out of the game has been a nightmare. And then we heard Kevin Sharder as well, who's another, as you call it, of a shovel um, player. Okay, very, very fast as well. And he got injured in the warm-up as well last week against Everton. So again, we've had to change things around quite a lot. So, Listen, you can talk about how good or bad your season's going to go when you've got your 11 or 12 or 14 or 16 or 18 players that are there that are going to play. But as soon as you start getting these things that you can't account for, which are injuries, it just it just throws everything up in the air. And I think for Brentford, we're at the scenario where on our besotted um, podcast ring as well. Um, and Pride of West London, by the way, you can check us out. We'll have a podcast up. Oh, should be maybe Thursday night. We're playing Arsenal. So after the Arsenal game, we'll have a podcast up. And also we do one straight after the game. But the, everyone was going around going, any free agents available? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're, at, we're at the stage now. We're thinking, oh God, you know, we, we might be caught a little bit short. But listen, I'm still happy to be here. I'm a Brentford fan, played in the Premier League. If it all goes up all well, that's good. If it doesn't, then, you know, we just have to deal with it, you know, so no problem. Yeah, how's the adjustment been without Ivan Tony? Because obviously he had Kevin Shardy on loan last season, then that's been made permanently. You've just mentioned he's he got injured. I actually didn't know that. But what's that adjustment been like to lose such a pivotal player? And are you surprised that you didn't go out and get 
maybe another striker to support Kevin Sade? Was the plan to, because obviously he was a big interest in Brennan Johnson from Brentford, was the plan to maybe get Brennan Johnson in hopefully and then have like Mbuermo, Visser and Johnson kind of like just pace and just chaos kind of interchange and that sort of thing. What, what What's your opinion on that? Uh, I mean, the thing is, you know, with Ivan, they, they've known that he's going to be out for ages. So Kevin Sharder, actually, we, we, we've been looking at him for quite a while and we got him in and, you know, you do these things to say, you get him in on loan. It wasn't really on loan. It was just one of them signing. <laughs> you, just, you know, you get him in early. It's, it's just loop, like us. a loophole, isn't it, Bill? Yeah. Yeah. Just like the David Reyes scenario. Everyone's going, oh, but why are you loaning to Arsenal? He's not loaned to Arsenal. Not be funny. He's, he's their number one keeper now. We all, always knew he's going to be number one keeper. You know, I forgot to mention him as well. That's a, that's a big blow for us as well. That's but I'll come back to, this, to the, the question that you asked me. So, um, it's, it's so, um, so that's the idea to get, you know, um, Charlotte was to come in and I think eventually at some stage, He's going to play a big part, but you know the way that Brentford play is that what we like to do is you get we like to get players and managers in early, like we did with Thomas Frank, get him in two two years early, so he can learn the, learn the ropes. So by the time Dean Smith um, leaves, he just slips right in. Again, we do that with our players where we bring them in and try not to get them to hit the floor running because if you bring in players who still need development, it's quite hard for you to go right here. You go, you got to do a job. So we brought them in like Sharda. And people are like, you know, he's been in for six months. All of a sudden, people question him. I'm going, oh, I don't know if he's going to be any good. It's like, he's only been here for six months. You know, give him a bit more time. Some of these players need a year, year and a half before they actually get to get to that next level. You know, even Brian and Boomer, everyone's talking about him now. But now, how long has he been at Brentford? And how long has it taken him for just to move up a level every single time? And he's still young, you know. I think, I don't know how old Boomer is now. I think he's maybe about 23, you know, 23 or 24 maybe at the most. Like, you know, but... So this is the whole thing, what, what we're doing. So we brought in Sharda to be part of the plan, but I think they were very comfortable with what they had. Um, uh, Brennan Johnson, I mean, I'll be honest with you, we, we've been half the Brennan Johnson for, and we kind of know, if anyone knows anything about Basotti, we, we kind of know what's going on. Being sort of quite a small club, we, we, we've we got our sort of fingers in a few little pies. So Brennan Johnson, we were we were after him from when he was at Lincoln. He was at loan at Lincoln. Mm. Um, he played for them in the playoffs, played with semi-final, played with playoff final. He lost in the playoff final. Um, there as well, and then he came back to you, and that's when we made up made our first moves for Brennan Johnson. Actually, interestingly, there's also another team that made a move, or we're really interested, Charlotte FC, which is a team over in the states as well, an MLS team as well. And they were very interested in Brennan Johnson as well, um, but they were, you know, I say priced out of the market. I think by Brentford coming in, we made quite a few offers, but the offer that we made at the time probably wasn't enough to um to to make Forrest go hmm, we want some of that you know we're talking about just over 10 million you know maybe if we got up a couple of million we would have got him at that time mm. because he hadn't actually played for Forrest at the time because he'd just come from Lincoln so you know at the time we we, we, we probably thought you know he's played in division one you know he hasn't had even championship experience or a lot of championship experience so maybe we didn't push the boat out as much as we could have done at the time but ironically, then, you know, the chase has gone on. See, we've been after him season after season ever since then. You know, he's obviously come up. He's shown himself uh, to be very good playing in the Premier League as well, successful. And we did chase him. But at that stage, as what happens with Brentford is if we don't get them early, then everyone else sort of comes wading in. <laughs> and they uh, they waded in and, and he's gone and he's a good player. So the, the, the whole idea was, yes, we want pace. We needed pace. Um, Sharda's fast, you know. Um, Brennan Johnson being in there being fast and a good player we thought that he'd be a really good addition 
But then afterwards, we, we looked at um, some other players as well. We, we went over to Italy and we, we actually bid more than we've ever bid before. I mean, you know, we were bidding sort of like our record signing was like four million pounds like about three years ago. And now we've actually bid sort of 40 million pounds or 40 million euros for this, uh, this, Itali- um, this, um, this Argentinian as well, which was we were like, whoa, uh, from Fiorentina. As well, I can't remember his name is uh, uh, Fernandez. I can't remember what his name is actually. I should it, I should have done my research before I came on there. Apologies. Um, and it and, and in the end, you know, we didn't get him. We got a guy from PSG that we'd also put a lot of big bid in for as well. Uh, we didn't get him, so it's interesting because we're actually playing in a different playing field now. And what we find is a lot of players when you want to try and and they're sort of those big money, 30, 35, 40 million pound players. If they're worth that money, they're looking to actually get into Europe. Um, you know, so they're looking to a team, they get into Europe. So if they, you know, looking at us, us versus Villa, us versus Brighton, you know, they might move to those places to get them those, that, that, that European football. So it's a different and different and interesting game. So we didn't really sign a inverted commas striker um, over the summer period. I think we felt that we can deal with what we've had until Ivan Tony comes back. We all believe that Ivan Tony is going to go in January. Already, there's a lot of people sniffing around him. We believe that he's going to go in January. That's you know, he's moved to a new agency, CAA, which is a big agency that players basically go to when you want to move to a big team. So he's moved to CAA. So we, you know, we've already think think that you know, he he might play one game for us and then he's going to be off. So he's going to go, we think, in in, in January, which means that I think Brentford are obviously prepping themselves up to actually probably buy someone either in that window or buy someone in the following window. Uh, whether the kind, kind of club that, um, we don't panic. Some fans get a little bit frustrated by it. They just say, come on, sort yourselves out. Go buy somebody. But they're just like, we're not going to make a signing for the sake of it because it just can disrupt the whole team. If we've got, you know, they're saying, you know, if, you've got, if we're going to buy a striker, you know, it's no point buying. You can't buy a striker who is going to be a 20-goal striker and say, we're going to put you on a bench. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to happen. So what if you've got two 20-goal strikers in your side? How are you going to balance them? Or three 20-goal strikers in your side? Nice problem to have, but it's sort of quite difficult. So, more often than not, you're always looking for a player who's basically almost like on the rise, who's like, this is going to be your opportunity. We're going to give you the chance to make yourself better and we're going to coach you to be a better player. And that's not necessarily an easy thing to do, to, 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 to pluck out. So let, let's just watch your space and let's just see. I think for us, with Rico Henry being out, and I said to you, big player for uh, us mm-hmm. being out now, it's a case of us trying to get to January Um and 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 still be <clears throat> with your head above the water because it, it's going to make a big difference because if we start going into January and we're we're looking like bottom bottom three ish um, because of the injuries that we've got there's going to be a different type of tactic that's going to have to be taken by Brentford. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was in agreement with you, Rico Henry's statement. Every time I've watched him, he's looked superb. I think the, the Man City game away last season, he was massive in, in getting that win there. And I've always thought he should be in a shoo-in for at least challenging the left-back spot for England. But it's just a shame that he's been injured because I've had to take him out of fa- my fantasy team now, Bill, for the first time in three seasons. So yeah. <laughs> that doesn't help. Sorry um, about that, mate. What's... Um, What's your new boys been like? Obviously, you got a keeper flecking in goal for Raya. I've, I've heard I've heard mixed mixed reviews on on the Brentford timeline. Obviously, you got Nathan Collins from Wolves, and then you might have to help me with the other player. I can't pronounce his name. Is he Ukrainian or or something? Euro? Uh, uh, oh, Yermelik. So yeah, he's not yeah. he's he's not new as I mean, he might be new as in the fact that he's come into the team and you've seen him play a couple of games. But he's we actually signed him uh, over a season ago. Um, we were going to, you know, so, so we signed him from Ukraine. Um, uh, so, but we, um, 
But just coming back to the, the players, I'll come back to him in a minute. But the, um, Flecken, goalkeeper, David Raya uh, decided that he wasn't going to sign a new contract with Brentford. The way that Brentford roll is that if you don't decide you're not going to sign a new contract, you've got like a year, year and a half to go on your contract. Then we're going to sell you. So basically, he wouldn't sign a new contract. So before he knew it, <coughs> excuse me, he oh. turned around and we had another goalkeeper. And he was a bit like, hold on a second, what's going on here? So uh, he was kind of forcing a little move. He actually, he actually, Arsenal actually bid for him a couple of years ago. And they bid, I think it was around 10 million. And we turned it down at that time. And I think at that stage, he was thinking, I, I want to move. I want to move to a, another club, a bigger club. But that wasn't the right time for us. So when it came around this time, like I said, he didn't sign a new contract. You know, Spurs were sniffing around. Then Arsenal came in sniffing around. And uh, in the end, um, we did a deal with Arsenal. I mean, everyone talks about the loan deal. It's not a loan deal at all. It's like he's, he's, it's, we've helped them to get around their FFP issues. You can't go around signing one point, £105 million players without getting yourself in a, in a little bit of a pickle. You know, so, um, so, uh, so yeah, we've helped them to do that. But he is 100% going to be the number one keeper. Everyone's sort of talking about, you know, him and uh, Ramsdale are going to be sharing uh, the number one. It's not, listen, we're Brentford fans. We know, we just know what was going on. And he went there to be the number one keeper. Um, he's a sweeper keeper, as you know. He's like, if you look around, you know, you find him on the halfway line. He'll nutmeg one of your sort of kind of your, your forwards, you know, take the ball, take him around a couple of times and kick the ball out to the left wing. He's just, I mean, he's like, he's like a midfielder. And that that's the type of player that Arteta wants. And that's what we've been missing a little bit. Our new keeper, I know it's unfair because he hasn't been here that long, but he, I went over to America with Brentford. They went on a US tour. We went to Philly, Atlanta, and we went to Washington. Great fun. And uh, we saw um, Flecken, um, the Fulham game, first of all, made a couple of mistakes. And then I was down at Atlanta and then he played in the, the game against Bryant as well. And he looked a bit iffy in, in all the matches down there. We all looked going, God, blimey. But again, patience, as we tried to do with Brentford, as Brentford fans, because David Rea came in, in for his first six months. We were thinking, I thought this guy's going to be a superstar. And uh, he's, he's, put, he's flapping and he's doing all sorts of stuff. But it took him a while to grow into it and to be the keeper that he wants to. So I think... Brentford, if they're doing their job right, I would like to think that um, Flecken in six months' time will be a, a decent keeper. But you may see a mistake or two in him on Sunday because he definitely has got a mistake in two in him. I think we said uh, in a, on our podcast last week, Pride of West London, by the way, that he couldn't punch his way out of a wet paper bag. He tried to punch the other week and it was like, it was, it was quite bad, actually. It's like, wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Flecken, you know, question marks about him. I'm not disrespecting you, but I'm just telling you and ob- observing. <laughs> about um about yourself um and then oh, I said to you and then Nathan Collins he's he, he basically that's what I'm saying to you those are our, our kind of two kind of main signings as well centre back Wolverhampton Wanderers used to play with Ben Wee at Burnley um good in the air um good at carrying the ball um and 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 we thought it's going to add to us aerially both at the front and at the back Pontus Janssen had just left so we're looking for someone to kind of replace him. He looked brilliant in his first few games. He looked brilliant against, I think it was Fulham as well, or was it Tottenham? Um, really, really good. Made a massive fluff against Everton, got caught in possession. They scored their third goal off the back of it. A lot of people are moaning, saying, oh my God, I can't believe he's 27 million. But again, it's one of those things, sometimes players take a while to grow into the game. So, you know, he's he's all right. So those, like I said to you, those are our two main signings, but there's been a lot of moaning Um Going on from Brentford fans because they want they they what they thought that they're going to see another signing another big signing, um, but it's tough tough in this league. You know what I'm saying because you're competing against people with big pots of money, big reputations, you know, big everything. So uh, we shall see how 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 that's going to pan out. 
It's it's interesting you say that for a club of of Brentford sides, and obviously you're surrounded by so many clubs in London that the expectations do go up. Obviously, you survive you survive the first season quite comfortably, second season almost pushed for Europe. So really interesting that you say that with with the the size of the, of the club that you are. No no disrespect there. Obviously, surrounded by so many <laughs> London teams, it's it must be difficult. But talking about your last game against Everton, three one loss at home. What what went wrong, Bill? You know, like sometimes you, you play some games and you're not at the races. You know, things have changed around. Sharda got um, injured in the warm-up. So all of a sudden it's like you've lost, you know, a big part of your playing plan minutes before you're going to kick off. Rico Henry is out. So we had to swap, you know, Aaron Hickey from the right to the left and put, you know, um, Roslev out on the right. You know, they haven't got the same type of pace or they're not the same type of players as, you know, who they replaced. But also the other thing, you've got to look at the interaction between the wingers. And the fullback, so Rico Henry, you know how he interacts, you know, on the on the wing, and 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 how Hickey inter- interacts on the wing. All of a sudden, it's changed, and he's he's interacting with somebody else, and it's 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 different. It, so your whole plans are changed within a very short space of time. You know, Everton they pressed us, they played well. You know, it's interesting because Everton, you know, um, Sean Dyche, uh, Dyche is their manager, and everyone has a go at Dyche, but it makes me laugh because not last season, the season before, when Burnley were appalling in the Premier League. It was our first. It was our first season in the Premier League. I think it was uh, first. Yeah, because that last season was our second season. So it's the first season in the Premier League. Burnley was there as well, and we played them up at Burnley. They they couldn't win for Toffee, right? Um, and literally, they, they'd lost almost every single game. And we played them towards the end of October. I remember going up there, taking six hours to get up there. You know, rail disruptions and snow and rain. Oh, it's horrible getting up there. And then we got there. We just thought, right, it's got to the stand. Let's just see ourselves have a nice, good win because everyone's beaten them. And they literally played us off the park. Played us off the park, right? And, and I can't. I think by half time it was like three nil or something. It was just stupid. And no one even moaned because they were so good. Apparently, we're like going. Why, why, why don't they play like this every week? Like, you know, <laughs> they're, honestly, they're passing the ball around there. They, they just had our number. And in the end, they beat us 3-1. It was a horrible journey back. Took about seven hours to get back again. And I was just thinking, oh, I don't want to go back to Burnley again. But it's Deitch. And Deitch, again, it's funny. He plays a particular game with Everton. And then all of a sudden, he comes down and he's done the same thing again. He's just, <laughs> I don't know if it's just us or if he knows how to play against us, but he just, he just absolutely did us like, you know, and, uh, and, and, and they pressed us high and they just everything. And we were just not on, just, we were just, we were just not on it at all. And sometimes that's just how it goes. And, and you know, to be honest with you, I was probably the least despondent of all the Brentford fans, because as you know, I've been to, um, I decided I went to the US tour in America and then I came back and then I went back out to America again with the family, which, which was booked ages ago. So I spent pretty much the whole summer, in America, and one of the reasons because I've, I've not missed, you know, I missed six Brentford games. I've never missed six Brentford games in my life. So I'm missing six Brentford games. But the one thing about it is that I felt more comfortable about it. Is I knew that I could literally wake up at like nine o'clock in the morning, walk down to a bar in America, and sit down and watch football match. Like you know, you walk into a bar, goes, oh, he goes, what game are you watching? I said Brentford. He goes, right, that's on screen five, and you sit down there. Would you like a pint? So you sit down, pull a pint, like nine forty-five in the morning. Look at the corner there and you watch the game. So I didn't actually miss any of the Brentford games at all. And I felt more comfortable doing that, like, you know, so, uh, so, <laughs> which is, which is all good. So, but, so, but, so for, for me, the Everton game was actually my first game, live game that I had watched. And I can't believe it. Like I said, yeah, I've never missed six games in a row. And even though we did lose, I was just so happy to be in the pub beforehand, down the globe beforehand, down the pub afterwards, like, you know, the globe afterwards. And then the game was like, 
Oh, well, that's a bit of an inconvenience, isn't it? So, <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't bother, It didn't actually really bother me that much because I was just happy to, to be back watching football. Yeah, well, th- this next question might have changed from the start of the season, obviously, because of all the injuries you've had now. Obviously, Rico Henry Lee, uh, absent for the season, Raya going, etc. What's your ambitions for the season now? Because I'd have thought at the start, Brentford might look to push for those latter European spots. Maybe now you're thinking, well, just try and get mid-table kind of thing and, and reassess in the summer, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I mean, I, I write a, like a, a fan um, review piece, preview piece, review piece in the uh, Observer uh, every every three or four months. And I'm sort of sitting down there thinking, did I do the next one? I did do the latest one when I was over in the States, actually. And uh, I can't remember because they always ask you for a, a prediction. And I can't remember what I predicted Brentford <laughs> as finishing at all because it's all gone so clouded. But I, we finished ninth last season. I don't think I had us finishing higher than ninth. I think I put us down to something like 12th. I might have to go and check it again. And it's kind of one of those things. The reality is, and, you know, again, I'm not trying to put down, but this is the, this is what this league is like. And I can see it probably gets a little bit Groundhog Day after being here after five or six or eight or ten years. You know, probably teams like Palace, you sort of think, you know, what are we doing? But if you finish anywhere between sort of eighth and ninth and 17th, it's almost like the same. You know what I'm saying? Because it's yeah. that sort of no man's land, you know. So it's like you're not going, oh, hey, we finished 10th. Oh, it's really, you know, it's like, yeah, but, you know, 10th. So the fact is that the reality is, you know, as long as we can, because we are in a sort of kind of transitional stage now. So as long as we can keep ourselves with our head above water in the transitional stage, um, you know, I'll, I'll be happy. If we finish 15th, we finish 15th. If we finish 11th, it'll be great. You know what I'm saying? Um, interestingly, we have a little conversation again on the podcast and, and off the podcast as to, do you, you know, how great is the Premier League? You know, us as Brentford have been in the in the lower leagues, I mean, ever since I was born, you know what I'm saying? We've always been fourth division, third division. Oh, we've popped up to the second tier, you know, for a little bit. Like, oh, this is quite exciting. But literally, we've always been a third and fourth division team. So to be in the Premier League is a little bit of a, I say, a bit of a dream, a little bit weird, and also a little bit kind of out of our comfort zone. Even though, yeah, we enjoy it, we're doing really well. You know, as fans, it's very different up here. You've probably seen it as well, different. The way the the fans, the opposition fans, the international fan bases, <coughs> it's good. But there's also some very strange things. And there's some bonuses about um, about being in the lower leagues. You know what I'm saying? The, you know, the, 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 because you haven't got that focus, same international focus or TV focus on it, that, you know, there's an argument to say, and I'm, this is not disrespecting fans uh, on the whole, but, you know, who, 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 who in America is going to go and support Preston North End? You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, you know, you know it's not, it's not going to happen. You know, when you go to the Preston game, you, you've got Preston fans and they, they understand football and Preston and they're in it. And, you know, and it's, it's a different, really, really different vibe. And people, to a certain extent, sort of take winning and losing a lot, a lot better and a lot realer. Whereas, whereas I find here, oh my God, you know, you get some teams and fans, they just expect to win. And then, you know, if they then if they lose, it's like all hell will break loose. And it's that really weird expectation that things should be a particular way because you are in the Premier League. And it's like, well, football ain't like, it's not like that. And not be funny, not everyone can win. If everyone won, then it just kind of, that just, that just defies the whole nature of, gravity or whatever it may be I'm saying (laughs) someone's got to lose and someone's got to win and that's just the way that it is but it's it's very very different and my daughter she's she's been going to games since she's like six months old with me and she's been all the way through the the different she's 14 now she's been through everywhere and she plays football and she's 
she's banging to a footy. You know, she she I remember she took her to West Brom away in the championship one year. And then she just said, Dad, I want to come to every single game home and away after this, like, you know. And so I did start to take her home <laughs> and away. Yeah, it was actually. So, um, so I because gave me an excuse. I could say the missus are going, like, hey, <laughs> yeah. well, the daughter wants to go. So we've got to go to like, you know, Middlesbrough or somewhere like that. Um, and then the pandemic came and that just killed all that for a bit. But she's come back and we've obviously all of a sudden the pandemic killed it. We come back, we're in the Premier League. She's gone to Premier League, didn't miss a game all season. The following season with the game. She said to me the other day, she's stopped, you know, she's not going to games. And she's like, hey, I've got season ticket and all that. Oh, where are you playing? She's going, oh, we're playing Everton now. Nah. No, and she like, keeps on like not, just not going to games, and I'm like, oh no, do it on the go. She's kind of Forest actually, because she says I want to go to Forest because it's old school stadium, and I've heard it's really good, atmosphere is really good. And she'd said to me two days ago, she goes, Dad, I don't like the Premier League. It's boring. It's rubbish. You know I'm saying, <laughs> can we get relegated? And I was like, cool, oh, blimey. You know but you know, but that's it's interesting. A 40 year old girl, and she was just like, going, it's, it's boring. It's like teams come down and it's just a little bit and the atmosphere and the fans and all this kind of stuff. So it's quite interesting, different perspectives from different people as to kind of, kind of where, where we are at, at the time I'm enjoying the Premier League. I'm just enjoying, yeah, I just enjoy going to football. So, you know, kind of, kind of whatever, but I think, you know, I can see people's perspectives and people's points of view when we used to speak to Fulham fans, Burnley fans, Norwich fans, all these other fans going, oh, God, it's a bit crap up there. And Sheffield United fans, it's a bit rubbish up there, actually. It's much better down here. And I, I do understand both points of view. Yeah, definitely. I mean, let's get into the game. Uh, what's your thoughts on Forest's early doors so far? Uh, uh, listen, they've, 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 been doing, they've been doing all right. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got your, your Gibbs White, who's obviously a big player for you. You know, again, you know, take him out the mixer, you know, like take Ivan Tony out the mixer and it'll, it'll, it can make Forest uh, a very different team. Um, but you know, the, the you know, I, yeah, I've got you know, as you know, I've got quite a lot of forest friends, and, and I talk to them, you know, quite a lot about, especially last season. Uh, and when they were concerned about you know getting relegated, and I said to them, listen, I said it's really different in this league. I said, you know, you're worried about sort of kind of winning week on week. I said it doesn't work like that. Basically, you've just got to kind of pick off certain games and win those games, and then the rest of them you sort of kind of take them that you're going to lose them. You know, what I'm saying if you play Man City, right, just take it. You're going to lose it. You try your best, but you take it. You're going to lose it. But I said, but what will happen is that you will get a bonus game that you never think that you're going to get. That's normally Chelsea, right? So, <laughs> yeah. I'm saying, so you go and get that. You get three points that you won't normally think that you're going to get. So all of a sudden, you, you've chalked up an extra three points. And it's all about sort of chalking up that extra point and extra three points in this league. So I think Forrest kind of worked that out towards the back end of the season. And you did OK. And I think, again, it's one of those things where, you know, it's not a case, oh, let's go for Europe. It's just kind of just keep yourselves in there and then you get more money and then more money comes in, you can build and bring better players. So it's just keeping your head above water. So I think, I think Forrest are doing all right in doing that this, uh, so far this season. I didn't see them uh, or don't see them as, as one of the teams that are going to be struggling down the, down the bottom. Um, you know, I, I, I just don't, I think there's, well, obviously there's at least, <coughs> excuse me, but at least one or at least two, um, if not three teams already, that are within that, you know, I think sort of Luton and Sheffield United. And again, you know, I, I tried to sort of kind of give them a little bit of credence before the season. I didn't want to do the the kind of usual, you know, everyone, oh yeah, the teams that come up are going to go down. So I actually kind of gave a bit of credence and I thought actually they might be able to survive with their fighting power, but they, they look like they're kind of, well, Sheffield United are definitely struggling, you know, and Luton again, you know, it's, they'll, they'll have to start pulling something out of the bag a little bit. So that means that, you know, if those two are gone, it means there's only one place 
left and there's going to be quite a few teams fighting in and around that. So that's going to be quite interesting. And I don't, I don't believe that Forest are going to be one of those teams. I'm going to be honest with you. I think that I think they're going to do okay. Well, yeah, that, that's hopefully the, the the aim, isn't it? But um, what's your fears and hopes for for the game on Sunday, Bill? Uh, well, it's my first away game of the season, so I'd love to see a win, uh, especially <laughs> as last, especially as last season we uh, we um, we we fluffed it in the in the in the final minutes. Uh, when I you mean, got that yeah, I did, did give you a dodgy penalty in my eyes. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here <laughs> we go. Um, yeah, so yeah, so that sort of kind of rubbed us from the three points. But again, I wasn't too fussed because I like coming up to Forest and it was just, yeah, it was cool. We got a point. So, um, but like, I'd like to see a win. But to be honest with you, I'd actually like to see, uh, I'd like to see a mad game. I'd like, I'd like there to be like four all or something like that. You know, where you take the lead, we take the lead, you know, and all that kind of stuff is what I'd like to see. Because I, like I said, yeah, I've been away for so long. See football. I just I'd like to so I'd like to be greedy and just have all the goals on at one game, like you know. So let, let's have a five-all game, and that I think that'll make us all happy. Bloody Nora. I mean, what what what? That's what your your head wants and your or your heart wants. But what does your head say? Uh, my my head says that we're going to probably try and go. For, well, we don't try and go for draws, but I think the situation we're at the moment now. We're going to just try and again chisel out points. So I think I think Thomas Frank, even though he wouldn't say it out loud, I think he'll be quite happy with a point uh, tomorrow uh, tomorrow on Sunday. And he'll, he'll, you know, you've got to just think about how how we're going to set ourselves up. You know, um, can can will we set ourselves up? How we how will we kind of stem the attack of of, of the Gibb White and, and and all your people up there? Um, but yes, I I think a point would be a good result. Fair enough. And then uh, I know you, as we record this, you're playing Arsenal tonight in the League Cup, so it's probably quite difficult to give us a lineup prediction. But what would your score prediction be? Are you going to go for a score draw? Again, against who? Against Arsenal? No, against Forest. Oh, okay. No, so, okay. So, against. So, so what's happened is that actually, and you're going to, this is going to come out and you're going to go, he's completely wrong, isn't he? Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm recording this before we play Arsenal, but my belief is that we're going to be playing quite a few B team players against Arsenal. Is, is Beckham making a. Well, this is the thing. Interesting, but you, but you laugh. But um, um, the B team had a game just down the road from me, Wingate and Finchley. Uh, they had a game in the London Senior Cup yesterday. Uh, they lost 2-0. And I looked at the team and Beckham wasn't in it. You know, a goalkeeper wasn't in it. Um, there's a few, Briley as well, who's a really exciting young player as well. They didn't play it against them yesterday. So we're thinking, hmm, will Beckham be making an appearance in the in the League Cup against Arsenal? Like, you know what I'm saying? I, actually, it's kind of weird, actually. I can't... It's, in that same cup, the London Senior Cup a year ago, I actually um, I went down to see Brentford um, to see Brentford play Hendon, and of course, and, and as I came out of the stadium, of course, I bumped into David Beckham as you do. He went down there to see his son, had a few little words with him. I said to him, oh, "I remember I went to your party, sort of like you know, twenty odd years ago or fifteen years ago, because I did. I went to the party at his house just before the World Cup in two thousand and two, and I actually stepped on his toe when he had a broken toe. Uh, <laughs> I didn't remind yeah. him about me stepping on his toe because I think he probably wouldn't have been that. But Victoria wasn't happy about that. But yeah, I went to, so I sort of chatted with him. So I got a little photograph with him afterwards. It's like a sort of twenty, is it twenty year re- reunion." Uh, 22 year reunion between or 21 year reunion between me and David Beckham, so it's quite funny. So he might be down at uh, New Griffin Park as we call it tonight. To if his son is going to make an appearance, will be uh, it should be quite interesting. And we keep on asking the question: Are we doing it? Are we, we're not the kind of club that does that for kind of newspaper yeah. headlines, yeah. you know. I don't know, but it's like is is he actually that good? You know, we shall we shall see, we shall see. But um, asking for a score um, on uh, Saturday, like I said to you, well, you said what score? I said I said five all. 
So I said, five, it's going to be 5-0. It's going to be 5 all. Bill, Bill uh, thanks very much for joining us. Um, you can give 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 your pod a, another pl- another plug, should I say. I know it's besotted, besotted but where, where can people find it? Spotify, so, Apple. That's right. So obviously it's going to be in all good podcast channels. If you go to prideofwest.london, because we're the Pride of West London, then you'll uh, you'll be able to check that out as well. Also go to Besotted, which is uh, B-W-E-S-O-T-T-O-D on Twitter, Twitter on Facebook. Uh, we're not so biggie on the Instagram. We keep on doing it, but there's just too many channels for us to do bits and pieces. But like I said, prideofwest.london or besotted.com. We've got a website as well. We're a fanzine that's been going since 1990, actually. And we started right. as a fanzine in 1990, and then we've morphed into a, a podcast and a blog and a this and a video blog and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, we do get involved and we do love our football. And as we say to you, now, that's why we like coming up to Forest because it doesn't matter what the result is. We'd like to kick football out of football. In fact, football normally gets in the way of football. So, you know, have a good drink before, have a good drink afterwards. And normally the football in the middle actually messes things up. So, but hopefully not on Sunday. Nice one, Bill. Thank you very much. Safe travels on Sunday. Obviously, not a good look for the game. That would be stupid. But yeah, hope you enjoy your day out. Thoughts for Sunday, Matt? What, 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 what do you think of Brentford overall? Like, what's your overall opinion? What's the first thing that comes to your head? Tim Pop and Jack don't care. I've I've watched Brentford. I think I watched Brentford on the opening week. You know, they drew 2 2 with Spurs. Yeah, that was the opening weekend, yeah, wasn't it? it was, I think yeah. I, I watched that as a Sky game. And to be fair, to their credit, it's, it's typical Brentford, isn't it? They play, um, play good football, they're always a threat. Uh, but I don't think they'll... I think Brentford will have another good season. I just don't think they've got going yet. And I don't think there's a better time to play them. Like, I know, like I said, um, like the, the gent said uh, previously, that um, that uh, they've got a lot of injuries. And obviously, I, I, I didn't I didn't watch their game against Everton because I was on the way back from Manchester. But from what I kind of heard, that they weren't they weren't particularly great. So I, I don't think they'll... I think it'll be a tough game. It's not no no game in this league is, is a walkover. And I think that's what some people need to kind of get into their heads before Luton come to Nottingham as well. Because that, that's got the t- that's got the recipe to go wrong if we treat it with contempt. Um, so, um, but yeah, with the Brentford game, I think there's never been a better time. I think if we got a point, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But I definitely think it's a game game they can win. I mean... Them losing Raya, Rico Henry for the full season, obviously not having Tony till January and there's talk that he might, Gary alluded to it on Stephen Bartlett's co- uh, yeah. podcast that he might go Arsenal. Arsenal, I think he said he favoured. So that, that kind of spells that one out for you. So like you say, I think it is a good time to play Brentford. They've lost the last two games uh, to Newcastle and, and Everton. That, that Everton game must really hurt him, especially at home when against the side of barely scored this season never mind getting three in a game so that'll be interesting but who 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 where do you see them like where can we really hurt them do you think because like full fullback areas a bit yeah i could say yeah fullback areas yeah alanga hudson adoy i think there's real kind of particularly with them two two out i think they'll i think i think with brentford you you'd always know that um you know always know it'll be a good game of football so i, I think mm. it will be i think it'll be chances at high end it, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a high scoring game it wouldn't surprise me at all if it's I don't know, two one, three two, two two, three three. Because I I think it's that I think Brentford play that type of football, and I think um I think they're a footballing team. Um, so I I said I I think there'll be chances at both ends, and I I expect there to be goals as well. How how do you think we'll line up? Um, do you know what we'll come? I, I it's so difficult nowadays because there's so many options, and I but I think that's testament to our strength and depth. 
So it's like so many questions. So will Wall come back into the team? Will Yates? Um, will uh, Dominguez start? Or is it? Um, I'm presuming I haven't. Is Danilo nowhere near fitness at this moment? I, I don't. I don't think so. And Cooper's press conference has not come out, but I assume not with a hamstring injury. It's normally a couple of weeks, isn't it? It's, yeah. Depending on how severe it is, so will, I can't will, imagine him coming back yet. Will he go with Hudson Adoy? Tyro and Gibbs White, or will he play a Langer? I, I, I think, I think that's it. I suppose there's pros and cons to it, isn't it? That the fact of that you always want your, you always want to know what your starting eleven is because that indicates what works so well. But I suppose the flip side to it is, is having options and, and strength and depth is not anything that we had at any given point last season, and that gives Cooper a nice selection headache to to make. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me. He was that good on Saturday. It wouldn't surprise me if Dominguez starts in the middle of the park with with Mangala and. Um, but potentially Yates. Mm, so you're dropping Sangare. Oof. Oh, oof. Do you know what with Sangare? I know, we, I know, I know, we haven't discussed him yet. I think um, I thought against Burnley there was there was glimmers of uh, that. There's uh, that obviously what we brought. I thought his anticipation and his interceptions. He did two or three really nice things, but undoubtedly, I think he's going to take a while as a lot of our players have over the past twelve months to get up to speed with the pace of this league and the unforgiving nature of it. So. It might may well be, and I know Cooper said post match about players kind of being. He, he, Cooper alluded to Danilo last season because I remember Danilo when he came into the scene when we signed him in January. I think we played Leeds at home. You remember when we beat, Brennan, when we beat them one and Brennan Johnson scored. Yeah, I think Danilo. I think Danilo got hooked off at half time that day because he wasn't yeah. very good at all in the first half. <laughs> so no that's word. and that, but you wouldn't have thought that considering how absolutely unbelievable he was the last five, six, seven games of last season. So I think with players, particularly the new players, that they might be um kind of dipped in and out of the team and um and kind of be a bit experimental, particularly with our home games of, of what works and, and kind of who who um what system to play really. I think it's an interesting one because Brentford predominantly play with a three in midfield. I think that's uh Jensen, Janel and one other I bloody can't remember the name of the midfielder now. But yeah, they've they're kind of like very techy, kind of knock it about really well. So it's either do you like match him or do you not? And then the the problem is is you want to get Gibbs White in the number 10 position as much as possible, don't you? I know he's been a bit had a bit of a slow start. I don't know what your opinion of, of him so far is, Matt, but there's obviously like been murmurs and a bit of groaning on social media that Gibbs White needs to be dropped. But for me, I think you have, you just keep playing him. For as for as, as long as he's fit, you keep playing him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think with Gibbs White was, I made this point on the train coming back on Saturday. On with Gibbs White, we particularly the season that we had last season, everybody needed to go away and have a summer's break. And of course, Gibbs White went away, played a full summer of international football, where England went deep into the tournament and won it. And then he's had about eleven days off, and then he's come back to Wilford Lane. So I'm not sure that. And maybe this is me clutching at straws a bit, but I'm I'm not really sure how helpful that's been. I just I just thought he needed a rest, and I, as I think they all did towards the back end of last season. But I I think with Gibbs Gibbs White, I think I think it's an inevitability he will come good. And I and I don't think he's been has he been has he hit the heights of last season? Absolutely not. Do I think he's been absolutely horrific? No. I think there's been I think there's been times where it's kind of um, he's tried to. I think Gibbs White's a very brave footballer and he'll try passes that probably other players won't and it doesn't always come off and it doesn't look great because of that. But you always, I think you always keep Gibbs White in the team because 
he's got that potential to give you that magic moment, whether that be that that through ball or the, the turn on the byline to make something happen or to click us into life. So I'm I'm not really con- con- concerned with Gibbs White. I think I think he'll come good. I, I just think it's a case of just finding rhythm and us getting some results together, some consistency in the team, and I think it all clicked together. I, I kind of think that with, with him last season, he had to do so much work off the ball. It kind of hindered him when he did get the opportunity sometimes in, in those positions. So hopefully this season, if we've got a bit more of the ball and then he can receive the ball on the half term closer to the opposition's box, hopefully then that's where we start seeing more chances created or him hopefully creating chances for himself. So we'll see about that. But if you're Steve Cooper, Matt, what is your 1-11? to I want, I want, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who are you going with? Um, and then I'll tell you you're wrong. <laughs> now I think I'm joking. Um, so Turner in goal. Um, Fullback's a bit of a tricky one because, like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. You, I, I think. I think to be fair, I think it is. I think we'll go four, and I think Aurea and Aina will play at fullbacks. I was going to ask you, Will, is Aurea fair? Um, I believe so. Is that, so Aurea, um, Aina, the two fullbacks. So if we get, let's say we're going with a flat back four. Do you know what? This I I don't know whether the, it'll be interesting to see when Felipe's fit, whether he comes straight mm. back into the team. I thought I thought Neocarte was brilliant on Saturday, by the way, and I think I think yeah. he has been since the back end of last season. Um. So I mean, if, or, if, if, if Aurea is not fit, at least Montiel had a decent game at City. Yeah, thought, he did. So. He did. He did. And I, I, but to be honest with you, I thought that I'm not sure. I know obviously he was Montiel wasn't great against Burnley, and I'll be first to admit that. But I'm not sure any of them were. It was all kind of five, six out of ten performances, wasn't it? I'm not sure anybody was particularly. Um, I don't want to. Nobody was ru- outright rubbish, but I just thought everybody was a bit par that night. Um, he's, an, he's an angry man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's not go there, but um, but yeah, so the um, with um, so flat back four, so Aurier, uh, um, um, who's the uh, additional centre back? It's gonna be Bolly or Warrell, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but it, it would be one of Warrell or Bolly. I, I, w- I would be amazed if it wouldn't be Bolly because I think I think he trusts Bolly. And I think Bolly's been. I think since we've signed him, and over the past twelve months, I think Bolly's been one of our most underrated players. I think he's brilliant, Bolly. Yeah, he's been good. It's just a shame he's made out of McGretty's biscuits, so we'll play through. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, so Bolly McKenna in midfield four of um, Mangala, mm-hmm. um, Sangara. Yates, because I think yeah. fact, I think I I I I think one of few decisions get, um, Cooper's got wrong this season was not playing Yates at home to Sheffield United because particularly the home games I just think he gives us just that bite in the middle of the park and kind of that that bit of emphasis and drive. So no, Sangara, Sangara, Mangala, Yates, um, Dominguez, yeah, and then. Um, Obviously, Taiwa. How could it not be? Um, well, you got one more place now. You yeah, four, it could be a 4 4 2. Yeah, it would be a 4 4 2. Playing a diamond. Playing a diamond here. 
Matthew. I, I don't think he'll play Diamond. No, he he's, won't. Gonna, he's gonna he's gonna play four three. He's gonna play either four three three or four two three one. I think. Yeah, he, he, and in 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 the two years, I don't know. I don't know why I'm reading out a four four two because in the two years that Cooper's been boss, I don't think he's played four four two once. Um, <laughs> so. You've got caught up with how many central midfielders we've yeah, got. Yeah, we play really more, don't yeah. you? Yeah. That this is once again going back to the whole kind of strength in depth um argument because it's just there's so many players that everybody's saying to me like what about him what about him and it's like oh yeah well you'd you'd chew on horn him into the team as well wouldn't you so yeah he's not he's not going to go with four midfield players of Mangala Yates Sangar and Dominiguez is he um dropping one of the CDMs I don't know Wilco you put me on the spot do you want know. me to give you mine and I'll let you see what I what you think so it's either it's going to be Oriel Montiel at right back yeah It'll be Bolly near Kate, Aina at left back. Yeah. We're going to play Sangare. I'd like this anyway. I'd like Sangare, Yates and Dominguez in central midfield. Yeah. Gibbs White as a float in, do what he like, <laughs> like whatever he likes. Um, Callum Hudson, Adore and Tyro, wouldn't you? Yeah. Because I, th- I think I like Alanga, but I think he's just a better option off the bench at the moment. Yeah. I'd- as a starter, I, I kind of, especially on the right hand side, I don't know why he keeps trying to cut in and like kick it with his left foot. Is he left footed? I don't think, I don't know what foot he is, but he keeps cutting in and crossing with his left foot instead of just getting to the byline and zipping it across. I, I think Alanga's very much, and I agree with you being more of an impact player. I think he's a, um, he's very much a confidence player as well. I thought on Saturday when we, when we put him on, I thought um, there was, there was times where we got, we kind of stretched City, we played out from the back um, and we stretched them, particularly in the, the full-back areas. And Alang- there were times where we got Alanga into good positions and space to run into and he was almost kind of like hesitant to kind of either take on his man or make significant strides up the pitch. Now, I don't think that's a, that's an ability issue. I think that's a confidence thing because we've already seen what Alanga could do against um, um, against Arsenal with the assist for Taiwo. So I think it's, there's undoubtedly ability there. Um, I just don't know whether some maybe at the moment is lacking a bit of confidence, and I, d- I don't know whether that will coincide with him having more of kind of a regular start in the team, or or a goal will do him the world of good. Um, but yeah, I think that um, I, I, I think with his pace, he's definitely definitely more of an impact player. But at the same time, I always I get the feeling he's the sort of player that needs an assist or needs a goal to kind of send him yeah. away again. Because he scored obviously the winner at Chelsea, and I thought like, oh yeah, he'll kick on, then he'll get a start, and then like against. Against Sheffield United, uh, yeah, was it Sheffield United or Burnley? No, it was Burnley, I think. He kind of didn't do too much against Charlie Taylor. I thought he looked all right against City when he come on and had a run at Kyle Walker here and there. Just think, he just kind of needs to get into his head like, when he gets the ball, this is what I'm going to do and just do it. And then if he doesn't do it, think of something else to try or or just keep keep doing it. What I do like about him is he doesn't give up. So that's that's one thing at least he's got in his locker. He's, He's got that determination. So... There's definitely a player that can get developed and grow, and then and hopefully become what what Man United maybe hoped he could be. But be for us, obviously, he's still only young, still only 21, and he so got plenty of time. But what's your score prediction for Saturday, Matt? Three, two, Forest. Four. Get it on high, your banker. High, high, high scoring game. High scoring. That would be good for Super Sunday. They'll all be. Yeah. Licking the lips, the pundits, weren't they? So, yeah. what 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 are your hopes for this season? 
for going forward? Do you just want do you want us to consolidate or is it kind of still survival or, or what? Because obviously the the optimistic Forest fan on Twitter is uh, we keep we're singing about Europe to Callum Hudson the Doy now, and it's yeah. like oh no, it's just going to bite us in the arse, and we're going to be in a relegation scrap. I'm hoping obviously it's not, and we kind of comfortably survive. That's that's for me anyway. That's what I think. I mean, if if somebody snaps me thirty, if somebody offered me thirteenth now, we could I'd absolutely, I'd absolutely um, snap your hand off. I don't, I don't, I don't see them pushing into that anywhere near that top ten. But at the same time, I, I foresee them being pretty comfortable getting the results they need. Partly because I think we've got a better squad this year, and partly because I think the bottom three are, are woeful. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, I think I think that'll be fine. I I, I think thirteenth, fourteenth will be the representation of a good season for Forest because I think it would all kind of in terms of like a project and kind of like building. I think that last season was about survival. This season's about sustainability. Next season's about trying to push into break into that top twelve finish 11th, 10th, 9th, something like that. And then obviously trying to to knock on the door of getting an outside chance of, I don't know, getting a conference league place or or, or, or something along those lines after that. So I, I think it's still a, a gradual building process of being sustainable at this level and, and uh, making sure we stay here, really. Yeah, I'm hoping the bottom stays as bad as it can so we can have like the kind of almost the freedom to kind of get there and build and, and whatnot. But before you go, Matt, I, I've, I've just thought of this and this might be putting you on the spot a little bit, but what's like your hot take for the season? Like something a bit outrageous that you think might happen? Um, Tyro's get No, it's not really outrageous. I was going to say Tyro's going to get 25 goals. Really, yeah, twenty-five goals. Blimey, yeah. blimey. Yeah. I mean, if he gets twenty-five goals, he's getting sold for about hundred million. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. Well, I, I, <laughs> I think I think there's like I think with Tywell, I think there's such potential there. I really do. It's yeah, a, five five goal contributions. Already, already. He's just he's like he's got the he's got the uh, potential to be the ultimate footballer with his strength, his power, and like I said he's already showed he can obviously lay um, lay on assists as well as obviously adding to his goal contributions. So I mean I. I um, that's kind of outran outrageously, probably way off twenty five goals. But like I said, if he keeps keeps showing his form, he has done over the opening five or six games. Then then why not? I mean, you should you, we all showed what he could do in a short period of time towards the back end of last season. So um, yeah, well, look, I, I think I think he'll have another good season. Definitely right. Well, that'll be it for for this episode of Red Side of the Trent, Matt. Um, if people want to follow you on Twitter, I know if, if people don't know, don't follow you on Twitter, I'll be very surprised, to be honest. But what's don't, your social media? Go on, give it them. Don't follow me on social. I'm just <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, if you want to, like I said, if you want to give us a follow, like I said, um, City Ground Shelfside on, on Twitter. So like I said, give us a follow. Always up to, to chat Forest and you'll probably get something cricket-related thrown in at some point. By the way, it's the Cricket World Cup, so if you want to kind of lay back with following me until that's all over, then I wouldn't blame you. If it's not the pain of Forest, it's the pain of England. It is. It's exactly that. It's exactly that. <laughs> and then, obviously, you'll, you'll be going... You're going away to Crystal Palace, so we might see each yeah. other there. We might yeah. embrace. Yes, we will, we'll, we'll embrace when Tyro rolls it in with two minutes to go. That'll be lovely. And then, then we'll unembrace because I'll be looking at it for VAR. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate. Uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Uh, see you all on Sunday. Come on, you Reds. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport, powered by fans.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.